all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Walt Disney. You are listening to the Main Event Man podcast. I'm your host, Roy Flash Gordon. I'm a fitness professional, pro wrestler, and men's coach. And I created this podcast to help men get off their asses, face their fears, and start living the life they've always wanted. Each week, I bring topics and thoughts to the table that will not only help you step into the main event of your world and shape your life into one you love, but also help you become a better man. Not only for yourself, but for the people in your life and this world we live in. Hello and welcome to episode 19, the penultimate episode of season one of Main Event Man. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Slap that subscribe button. And keep the love coming over on Instagram at Roy Flash Gordon. And yes, I said it. After next week, I'll be taking a break from the podcast to refresh, recharge, and plan season two. So make sure you tune in next week for the season finale and mark your calendars for the return on July 7th. Now, throughout season one, I dropped bits and pieces of my story and how I got to this point, what made me interested in becoming a men's coach and some other jobs I've had. I thought it'd be fun before the season ended to just dive a little bit deeper into who Roy Flash Gordon is and where this overarching theme of vulnerability has fit into my life. So few people are truly willing to drop everything they hold dear and chase a dream. I know... I may have other wrestlers listening to this or actors or other people in competitive fields listening. Uh, and when you get to those tryouts and there's a ton of people, it seems like a lot of people do chase their dreams. The truth is that the few of us that not only dream, but get off our asses and do are in the few when compared to what everyone else is doing. Everyone else is working 40 hours, living for their weekends and vacations and wishing they were doing something better. Rinse and repeat forever and maybe sprinkle in some kids who they program to do the same thing before they die. Now, no shade to anyone who's chosen that life, but it's never been for me. Since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a professional wrestler. Uh, the athleticism, the shit talk, the performance, the drama of it all. I thought it was so cool. The Rock was my hero when he was a wrestler. He still is, really. And the, the thought of being someone's hero was really cool to me. We all come into the world with a fear of reasonable things. As discussed before on the podcast, some of our fears are less rational due to the age of our operating system and how relevant our fear reaction is to the things we come to face on a daily basis. As we go through life, we've got fears, but we also pick up those damn limiting beliefs. They come about when things are happening to us, uh, mostly in our youth. Uh, before we're good at processing information or feelings. An event occurs, we have a feeling about it, and we take whatever outcome that came from that event as an absolute truth. A limiting belief is born when that outcome leaves us feeling something negative like anger, frustration, or sadness. I could probably name a slew of limiting beliefs formed in my youth, but one that's relevant to wrestling is coming up right now for me. And it seems so fucking stupid, but limiting beliefs are really formed this easily. Now, I might have told this story before, but one day I was homesick from school. I got a call from my high school girlfriend, and she put two of my buddies on the phone. They told me she told them that I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I grew up. Then they went into this whole song and dance, asked if I knew wrestling was fake, said it was stupid. Could not believe that I still watched it. All the fun stuff. 
I was so embarrassed that I even had the nerve to get mad at her for telling them about it. Now, in like three minutes, three minutes, a few limiting beliefs formed for me just like that. That one belief was, if I watch or talk about wrestling, I will be considered stupid. And the follow-up belief was, well, if I can't even enjoy it as a fan, I'll certainly be judged similarly if I have the audacity to pursue it. And if I felt stupid or felt judged, I'd feel bad. So that three minutes brought maybe six years of procrastination, dissatisfaction, dishonesty with myself, and a general question mark floating around my life about what was missing for me. I will always wonder what kind of impact starting my wrestling career six years earlier would have brought for me. When I graduated high school, I took up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I loved it. I took to it well. I looked to have a bright future as a competitor. My girlfriend at the time also did it with me, and she never told my secret dreams to my frenemies. I had every reason to be on top of the world, and I simply was not. Jiu-Jitsu would be a major staple of my life for the six years that I was denying my wrestling dream for the most part. And I should mention I chose Jiu-Jitsu because I could use my athletic abilities, perhaps become more prominent and make my name under some bright lights and make myself a person some kid one day would want to model themselves after. And Jiu-Jitsu was real, quote unquote, real fighting. So it was, quote unquote, also more legit. And no one would judge me negatively for that. Ultimately, though, it just was not enough. I tried to look for enough in all the wrong ways, including my growing obsession with the call of duty. I was maybe days away from signing a Navy contract to try out to become a Navy SEAL so I could answer that call of duty. Uh, I was supremely confident in my ability to take on this test, and I don't doubt that I could have given a great effort to that end, but the problem was, and still is, I need my freedom. I needed to act as I want, when I want, go where I want, when I want to do it. Military life would not have worked for me uh, on that alone. Duty or no duty. And I knew it back then too, but that call was just so strong. I was looking for something so fiercely. Lucky for me, the recruiter I was working with just sort of disappeared. I do think I had someone looking out for me who didn't want that life for me because the further I got from that idea, the more I realized, holy shit, did I dodge a bullet. I still felt that call though. And that's where the Chicago Police Department came in. If there was something else that I had an interest in when I was a kid, it was Chicago Police. I think many kids in Chicago dreamt of that just because we were programmed to see police and firefighters and doctors in a certain way. I had previously signed up to test to become a cop before the whole Navy sidebar. And it just so happened soon after I wrapped up that escapade, all the testing began. I blew through all the tests with flying colors and just had to wait my turn to be called into the academy, which at that point could have been months or years. Spoiler alert, I made it in. I worked for the department close to a year, made most the most money I have ever made in my life with potential for more. Then I left all of that behind to get more serious with wrestling and, of course, make a lot 
less money. So how do I go from six years of meh to drop kicking asses and taking names? Well, uh, I reconnected to the source to start. So after watching wrestling sporadically through most of high school, mostly because of sports practices, I reconnected with it in college. I had only gone to one show in high school in my entire life. So once I was working in college, I made it a point to go more. And we got to a point where there was a wrestler at the time by the name of C.M. Punk. He was from Chicago, about 6'1", super tatted up, and kind of skinny fat. And I say all that about his appearance, not to make fun of him or anything, but he's not what anyone would call a prototypical wrestler. And that, amongst a few other things, made him beloved around the world. Most of the famous wrestlers were bigger, more jacked, more athletic, and cleaner looking. This dude back then was the little guy. He was important because he showed me that size mattered less than it used to in wrestling. I started off with a similar body type to him, and it was definitely another limiting belief that size would restrict me from entering this world as well. One day... I went to a show in Chicago, which is my hometown, and CM Punk's hometown. The energy was bananas. The music was playing, popcorn smell in the air, and the crowd was buzzing in the Allstate Arena. CM Punk's music dropped, and before you even saw him, the place fucking erupted. It was unreal, like nothing that I'd had the opportunity to be a part of before. And in that moment, I could only think about how I wanted to be him. I wanted to be that person, someone who can inspire so much excitement and love and raw passion before I even walked from behind the curtain. And I thought about how that's always been something I wanted. And the biggest prevailing thought in that moment was, if he could do this, why the fuck can't I do it? And that voice in your head is real funny because for me, it started answering that exact question like the jackass that it is. It told me that I was too small. It told me that finding a school to learn would be hard. It told me my friends would think I'm stupid and otherwise judge me. And to that, somehow, I just said, cool, thanks for the input. And I got to work removing every single barrier. I lifted harder than I ever lift. I ate more than I ever eaten. I got bigger, I got stronger. I educated myself on what I should look for in a wrestling school. I tried a few before I settled on one that I could make work. Boom. The fear of judgment, though. I think that just broke that night. It broke. It's like a a switch flipped. We've all been told all this cute shit about other people's thoughts, about you and not to care. Ignore people who talk shit. All that. But in reality, most people care about what other people think of them. Even once you've kind of defeated that thinking, you'll still get pulled back in occasionally. But when you are at a turning point where you truly see your vision, you feel your vision, you feel the feelings you want to feel and inspire in others, feelings that you've buried under years of shit and emptiness or frustration, You are truly able to open your eyes and see what's at stake. And you become able to say, fuck it. 
fuck it, I'm doing this and I don't care what anyone thinks. I was so lucky to get that switch flipped because it opened a whole new world for me. Not only starting to wrestle, but also being able to have a whole new attitude that has served me at every single step of the way I've taken since. And since then, I've had a great adventure in wrestling. I've got to wrestle a ton of places around the U.S. and Canada and even Australia. I've been on a couple WWE TV broadcasts that were seen all over the world, including one outing as the Chilean Seabass, a standout wrestler from Chile. I'm not from Chile. I just played a guy on TV. And yeah, that one and subsequent appearance on Fox Sports Chile earned me about 400 followers or something in the next few days after. I've had official tryouts with the WWE, including one at their state-of-the-art facility in Florida. I had my tryout match there in front of several amazing wrestlers that I watched on TV while I grew up. I've been the bad guy, the good guy, got in cheered, got in booed, sold merch, went home with negative money somehow. I've made people go nuts when they saw me for both reasons, good and bad. I've lost, and overall, I've won a lot. And not just matches, but really this entire experience has been one giant win. And my friend, that's where you come in. I named this podcast Main Event Man not because of the main events I've been blessed to participate in, or because I hold myself at such a in such a high regard that I'm always literally what I've called a main event man, but because I want every man who comes across this podcast to find the main event man in themselves. I want every person really to find the main event person in them, live their main event life. That kind of person has that switch flipped. Let's call it the fuck it switch. A main event man has found his fuck it switch and flipped it. I know it sounds crass and uncaring, but the reality of it is flipping your fuck it switch is a very vulnerable action. Because after you flipped it, you may have been able to let go of others' judgments, but it's still going to come and you have become wide open to it once you flip that switch. But amongst all the barriers You have to break through to reach that next level in life. The most important thing you can do is flip that switch. Because the second you start living life for you and what you want to create and what you want to feel and what you want to help others create and feel, then you let go of all other concerns and you start to make what you're living for a reality. I consider myself lucky that the six years I missed of wrestling because I didn't pursue it sooner, it was only six years. People spend their entire lives doing things they don't want to do while they secretly dream of stuff they'd like better. And really, so much of that stuff is attainable to them if they'd have it in them to just go get it. So if you take anything from this episode, it's to flip that switch and flip it now. I don't know how much time you've lost, but I know I don't want you to lose another second. Thanks so much for listening to some of my story today. If you enjoyed it, please give the podcast a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. Share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. Sharing this or any of my content, it really is the greatest compliment. I do appreciate it so much. It helps the show grow and it helps me get to people who need these messages. 
I'll see you next week for the season finale. Thanks. Talk soon.